Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today we're going to get an update from Jamie IF. You might remember him from a couple other interviews. I think it was 2022, and he sort of came out of nowhere, had some really big, successful uh, numbers, and really impressive story overall. He, he's pretty young. I can't remember how old he said, but he's uh, in his 20s, so makes me look very old. We're going to get into some really cool details on how he's been able to create a few websites. And I think we're going to kind of focus on on two of them where this is really impressive. So it's content that's earning about $130 per thousand visitors. So that's RPM. These are huge numbers. And we're going to talk about content. We're going to get into details about research, content briefs, outlines, tools that he uses, subheadings. We'll talk about his team, talk about images, videos, other details, everything about content. Now, it's been a while since Jamie's been on, so we do want to get some updates. So we'll, we'll cover that first, then we'll hit the content stuff. So Jamie, how's it going today, man? I'm good. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the support that you've given me. Um, Especially like when I first like decided to open a Twitter account, you know, you, we, you were the first person in the community that I spoke to and then everything sort of went really positively. I've met loads of people since then, uh, since then. So yeah, it, I, I owe a lot of that to you, Doug, and I'm very thankful and grateful for that. But, uh, very great. You got it. Yeah. How's, how's Twitter going? I never do much over there and I, I take a peek occasionally and then I hear people talk about it and then I think, that doesn't sound like something I want to do. And I, I don't, I mean, I think it's great to connect with people, but I'm like, I think that would be negative for me. So yeah, what's it look like over there these days? Yeah. So, um, I think like I've, I've fallen somewhere into the mindless scrolling over and over again, which is like a productivity killer, right? But I, the upsides have been so amazing. I've spoken to so many people and learned so much more than I otherwise would have learned just from, you know having conversations and seeing people like do threads of the stuff they've been experimenting on and learning and just that kind of serendipity that you will run into for them be like, oh, that's interesting. I can apply that without, you know, you want to learn from other people's mistakes. So I've just like access to so many other brains and not just focus people. And so, yeah, it's uh, been such a, a great experience for me. Uh, so I'm glad I did it. I hit 10,000 followers a couple of days ago. So I'm super pumped about that in the, the before it's still showing the number, it starts to say, okay, I can pretend I'm important now and I show the uh, that's, all good. <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's amazing. So, and that's only been what, like eight months or something like that. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I started tweeting in July. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I think, I don't know how many, um, do you call them followers there? That's how stupid I am. Followers, yeah. yeah. So I don't even know how many followers, but I like, I used to like automatically post some stuff, but obviously that that is not what it's for. It's just that's spamming the internet. So I stopped doing that and I'm largely like not active, but um, I think you're doing great over there. So let's um, let's talk about Q4. So I know things were, were going pretty good. You had uh, your site set on some huge numbers for November and December. And I'm curious, uh, 2022 retail season Q4, uh, what did your portfolio do? Sure. So the first time I came on your show was in that like June, July time. And I was doing 32,000 a month. And that was like the biggest month before the second biggest month. It was like, you know, that was the peak of it. And I, I remember the second time I came on, I mentioned that the goal when we'd hit 40 on the second time in like uh, September, October, 
I was like, for these Q4 months, I really want to try and get to like 55, 60, big average that, and that would be like such a big win. Uh, and you know, that's mostly staying mostly stable because ad rates go up, or they're supposed to go up, they didn't go up this time. Uh, and people buy more naturally. Um, and so we, a lot of it was seasonality, but I think we experienced some natural growth in the SERPs as a result as well. Um, we had higher, like we, uh, we changed ad networks so the RPMs rose just across the board. We had a deal in place so they guaranteed to increase that by 15%. And so we had that as a guarantee. They actually overhit that. We were up by like 20, 25%, as well as the affiliate commissions coming in. And so we averaged in November, we did 79K and in December, we did 81. So in that, those last two, we averaged 80 for 116 total. Grads, it's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen any of it. If that's you know, if anyone's <laughs> want to, I'm not just going crazy with it. All right. Well, and and that that brings me to a related question. So, if you're able to share or as much as you can reveal, like what are your expenses? Say like for a couple of those months, just so people have an idea. Like it's a it's a lot of money, but you're also like in a growth mode situation. Yeah, I mean, we did a lot of the groundwork and a lot of the growth mode stuff in the beginning of the year. So at the beginning of the year, we were only doing only still crazy amount of money that I've never, you know, thought I would ever get to. But you know, doing fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen thousand, twenty thousand, twenty-two thousand dollars in those like first six months of the year, we were spending all of it and more. We were trying to do all other projects and stuff as well, and sort of uh, I was being a bit too victim of the shiny object syndrome. Shiny object syndrome, where it's like I'm trying to do about eight projects and take on X, you know, the people size to grow them for them. It's just, right. You need to stay laser, especially now in 20, 2023 with all that's coming, it needs to be a brand. And so I didn't realize that then. And so we weren't directing the focus and we're spending all the money, but throughout the sort of first half of the year and very much into the second half of the year, we became much more laser focused on the major sites, not using my time on smaller sites, only writing and improving the content on the main sites that we've done the straight it makes. You know, a high amount per Patreon became just sort of like brutally efficient and they're like, all right, we're only going after these ones to make more money. And so a lot of the spending that we did, it didn't really increase. In fact, it went down a bit towards the end of the year because we were just only focusing on those sites. And I haven't built the system to be able to handle more than that because I'm still editing the vast majority of the stuff that comes on there. So we're just not profitable for the first half of the year. And now like the margins look crazy now, but it doesn't include and reflect the fact that we weren't profitable for the first six months of the year. So yeah, super profitable now, but it, it advertises over the year. Okay. And just if we can, if you're able to share, like what are the margins for like November and December, like ignoring the fact that you invested earlier in the year. So is it like 80% or something like that? Yeah, right. above 85%. Okay, great. So you, you did, I mean, this is sort of the classic like passive income situation. You're like, oh, it's passive income, like 90% margin, but really like you invested a huge amount of time and effort and a lot of capital 12 months yes. ahead of time. And now it's, it's paying off. Great. Yeah. It's the, it's sort of, it's the delayed gratification of the like January to June spending. Oh, that was a lot of it. Um, and also like it's so passive, it only takes. 80 hours a week to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a, that's a good workload. So before we hear about some of the, you know, recent Q1 results, we jumped right in and I wanted to hear, uh, I wanted people to hear about what, 
results you saw in Q4. Where did you come from? So you mentioned we did the interview several months ago. So when did you get started with niche sites? Um, you you can share your age if you want to. Like I said, you know you're you're a young guy and you you're doing all this pretty cool stuff, uh, huge numbers. So just a little intro to yourself and how you got started with niche sites. Sure. When we first did our first two interviews, I was still 25. I'm 26 now. I feel like I feel like he's only young enough and coming up until 25. So I feel like at the age where it's not cool anymore. Like no matter what I do, oh, he's 26. He's supposed to have it together by now. Like at 25, it's like, oh, he's still coming. Like, doesn't play <laughs> Within the like, yeah. you know, the, the uh, that young, up and coming, young millennial, whatever it is, Gen Z, whatever they call it now. So now I'm old and like out of touch now. So I'm 26. Um, I started in 2019 when I graduated. Graduated in like September 2019 and mostly like started then. Um, I first made like job replacement income the month that COVID hit in March 2020. That's the same month and was in half their rates and I wasn't running ads then. And so it literally was a direct half in the rates of Amazon. That sort of spurred me to become much less reliant on one single vendor because it was really like uh, being not diversified. It's really dangerous when they do something like that. And Let's not pretend that Amazon couldn't do that again, which is why there's a lot of cool things that I think are going to happen soon behind the scenes that will change that. Um, so now like Amazon only makes up like 22% of our revenue because we have other affiliate programs and ads and stuff. And so as you know, I, I, I don't know why I've gone on talk about this, but I will just say whilst we're here, the, the important thing about building a mature new site or building a brand isn't just like multiple traffic sources, which is great. You should be building lead magnets and emails and doing all these other things that get you more direct traffic. With the Yandex, Slick is also speculated that more direct traffic is a ranking factor because they had it. I wouldn't discount that entirely. I wouldn't ignore that. I think that if I was looking for correlative factors for high quality sites, it would be traffic that isn't just organic and not just baseless brands. Uh, but beyond those, you want to also diversify your like income sources as well as the traffic sources. So we've been trying to do that. And I think that's the hallmark of a, a site that's like a a heavier stone that doesn't get blown around in the hurricane of like Google updates and stuff like that. Got it. Okay. So full-time income when, when COVID came around. So you're, you know, relatively new, but you've been doing this for a few years at this point now. I've got like three proper years in SEO. I've been full time for probably like half of that just because I was doing other projects. So I was trying to like do startups and whatever. And I'm now about to go back to like not full time on this anymore. So it's ironic, but I've just never really stuck. <laughs> so let's, let's hear about some, you know, recent stuff going on. So there have been a few algorithm updates rolling around. seems like there's a lot of them these days, like every six weeks or something, whether Google tells us about it or not. So what's going on in Q1, 2023? Sure. So, um, uh, 16th of December in 2022, we first got hit, um, big decline, especially on our not largest site, but, uh, a, a smaller site that was still doing well, uh, big decline recovery at the beginning of January and then full recovery and then gradual declines from there. Uh, and then as we get into, as you go further into Q1, you know, February times, we've still been declining gradually. Obviously some of that is uh, seasonality, but what we're doing now throughout, uh, you know, the, the Q1 time is to try and really figure out the, what's changed in the SERPs because part of it is the SERPs changing part of it. We have to write off 15, 20% for, like traffic for seasonality and that people are less interested in writing best, whatever people aren't buying loads in February, they're feeling it more, you know, is what it is with that sort of stuff. But 
where we can change it, you know, we want to change and be as visible as possible. So we're auditing a lot of the content we've gone through. For example, our main site has a slightly over 500 posts. We've gone through the top 200, tracked which ones are fallen more than 10% and sort of just within the process of auditing all of them now to see what's changed. Is it just the search change and we can't really deal with that and we shouldn't focus our efforts there. We should prioritize what we can have an effect on. Or have we just been like eroded slightly and it's all to play for if we do a bit of tweaks and, you know, if we change our offering some more, if we better reach the search intent, whatever it is. Um, so very much like having been hit by the updates, my current day-to-day stuff is really in the, the trenches of each article at these top 200. And beyond that, I also want to go and start pruning articles because once you've been around for a few years, like... Uh, you have more and more like decayed content. I think it's just like, uh, uh, it brings a website down. So I'm looking to delete some pages and redirect them, delete anything or get it rewritten if it can be better. And so that's where we're at the moment to try and be these updates. Um, I've noticed some very interesting correlative trends that I can't hang my hat on and say that's what's the, the each, uh, recent announced or unannounced algorithm update is targeting. But I think I have a fairly good idea. What is it? <laughs> Tell us. So, uh, there's a like, uh, as we saw, you know, in February, there's a big load of changes, especially for product review sites in early February. And it changed a lot. And we had two of our main sites get hit that day on Saturday, whenever it was, I think it was Saturday, about 12%, uh, which is completely nothing. Uh, you know, it's, it's not gone back yet. And we had another site that got hit 30. 2%, which is a smaller site, which was bigger. And what had happened with that one was a lot of the terms that it was ranking for, this site has 95% just best in the URL. We're not trying to hide the fact that it's just like a straight product review site. Like, mm-hmm. like it's like, I, I, people talk about these informational versus commercial ratios, but you know, you can look at that site if you want, look at the site map. 95% of it just brazenly has best whatever it is. And it's been growing every up, up until now. Um, so what happened with this one is for the like original seed keyword. So if you remove the best and you go vacuum clean up or whatever it is, this is not in vacuum clean, but I'll use that as an example. Um, the e-com brands have been pushed way up. And so we've lost that, but we actually hadn't lost the best term. So I haven't checked like the value per page view on that, but I would assume without having investigated that we haven't lost too much money. We've just lost traffic. So you know, if there's ads on there, you lose some of that money, but I don't think it's disastrous. But more recently, it's completely swung back and they've undone all of that. And so they've decided that they like content sites again for some reason on there. Um, the other, the, the, the more worrying drops that haven't identified themselves are some just have like 15 lines of shopping results now and it's like okay that's fine i'm not going to try and argue with that many shopping results i guess we're just now in position 10 even though we're in position three fine we'll deal with that but some of the ones that we can change a lot of what's happening seems to be like again it's trending towards higher dr sites and being more risk averse and some of the sites that you know the dr 75s dr 80s that aren't as good have gained a lot of positions in these updates where google was previously given more opportunities to smaller new sites that have more successfully targeted that particular topic really well. And so we've seen ourselves like losing like the second to the third spot. And then which has caused like a loss of 25% traffic for some stuff, because now we've just one position lower, uh, where, the, where I think, it, I think is in a response to AI stuff. 
naturally their necessitates being a little bit more risk averse. And it doesn't mean that they're any less likely to use AI, to be honest. I think they might be tempted to use it even more because they can absorb so much more toxicity with a high DR. But we're seeing trends toward higher DR sites um, as well in, in the rankings. Got it. And the other thing to lay on top of it, and I'm curious your opinion on this. So currently, AI, ChatGPT is really popular and Bing has added some chat feature. I don't know when that's going to roll out officially for everyone. Some It sounds like some people actually have that available. So in our little weird counterculture of SEO and niche websites and authority sites and all that, you know, we're testing out Bing. Like I installed Bing and I'd never used it before. Even on accident, I've never even paid attention to Bing. But now I'm like, hey, I'll give it a shot. So Google has what looks like panicked and they're trying to roll out some AI, some some chat features in their SERPs sometime or at least they're talking about it. And I think, you know, this is going to change the SERPs just generally and how people interact with it, how the algorithm deals with it. And um, I mean, let's face it, looking at some of the algorithm updates from Google in the last year, when you see like a drop and then a swing back and a drop, it looks like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, they're just like, oh, let's change this flag and then we'll see what happens in this devastating potentially for us in some capacity. So do you think the chat GPT being open AI versus Google is coming into play already? Or do you think it's going to be in the future? Any thoughts? We're just making stuff up. But what do you think? Yeah, I think that um, worryingly in two different dimensions, neither Google or Bing, when it applies to themselves, are terribly worried about misinforming people. And we've seen like on these tests that people have run on the new thing that it can be confidently wrong. It spits out wrong prices of products. I think uh, it was Gail from Authority Hacker who has posted some stuff that he's had where it can be confident. In other areas, it's been fantastic. But I thought the threshold for knowledge was so high um, to prevent misinformation that we would not roll this out for a lot longer because we just accept that some of the stuff isn't true anymore. It's a, I'm sure that enemies of the West love this because now it's just so much easier to miss it. And we just got used to stuff being wrong all the time. So it's so much easier to propagandize. In my opinion, regulation should ensure that this isn't allowed until it's 99.99% correct, which is not going to happen for years. But I think it will roll out within the next few months and it will be very impactful. It's even the, the second part of the reason I'm worried. The first is the fact that I don't think, um, in the pursuit of growth and market share, either Bing or Google particularly care. Second reason I'm worried is because I think that every single time humanity and people have been offered a new level of convenience at the expense of depth, nuance, and context. I think we've always decided that we don't care about the depth, nuance, and context. We just accepted like a half answer because it was quick. And that's good for something. If you just want to Google like a, a news story and you don't have any particular loyalty to any of the newspapers, it's destructive from the newspapers because you can get that quick and arguably that's helpful arguably it's terrible for the journalists on the other side because they've been paid to supply the information but i understand why that would be useful in some cases but there are so many more queries and so much more stuff that if given the opportunity to read more about people's curiosity and decide to learn more 
beyond the baseline is valuable. I think we're going to lose more and more of that as people just get delivered 50 characters for everything or whatever, and try to reduce everything down to like a small, I, I'm worried because I think it's, uh, not to mention the lack of attribution on Google's rollout, which is crazy. How can you just steal from people like this? I think that's the most important part of this whole thing. And I can't believe that they must have consulted their lawyers and figured out that they could get away with that fair use or whatever, because otherwise they'd be, I'm surprised they're not more risk averse with that, especially when Bing, who could be more radical, have decided to play it safe and like attribute source. I don't understand that one, but I th I'm worried on a humanity side because I feel like we're just going to turn Google and being into TikTok and people are going to be happy with half answers and never actually learn any. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be very interesting. And I know it sounds like we could talk for like two hours on uh, everything else before we get to the content stuff. So I'll push it ahead, but I think it'll be very volatile. It'll be very interesting over the next couple of years. And I think, I mean, there still will be a place for I mean, we may end up going back to like some old school blogging where like people are following a specific person. One of my friends who has a big blog in the personal finance space, it's uh, getrichslowly.org. He, um, he was like, ah, I'm in a, I'm a little, I don't know if I want to say bored, but he's like, I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to blog on his, his own, you know, namesake site, jdroth.com and do old school blogs. Like that's what he likes. And he's mm -hmm. not, you know, I, I think he said he doesn't even have analytics on there. Like he's just, he's a writer. He wants to write and he wants people to read it. So it's stories, little lessons, stuff like that, that he wants to share. And it's not going to be monetized. It's like, you know, he, he has different drivers and obligations and all that stuff, but pretty crazy times coming ahead. So, okay. Ready to move on? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think it's going to come out. I think it's going to be, I think that a lot of people have their head in the sand and um, there's an adapt or die thing, but worryingly, people don't know what they don't know. And often like a good answer to a question tells you things that you didn't know you didn't know. But if you are told that you, there are these ways because there's a quick answer, it's worrying. And so I think it's like doubly distracted. It's a, a really big minus EV play for humanity, but people also in companies pursue a problem. I mean, I'm sure it gets put in and or not even profit, because I think it's going to destroy a lot of their business models, but just to not be left behind, they will destroy their own business model and destroy everyone's ability to learn. Yeah. I mean, it's all a bit fun, really. Uh, what I will say is that new sites aren't done, but unbranded new sites will struggle to swim against the tide. I'm still investing in new sites with other people who have, uh, you know, investing in them and like helping them. I'm still running my own sites and I don't have any intention of getting out, but this is a very much a call to action that if you don't have excellent lead magnets, if you aren't the face of your sites, if you aren't spreading into video, which is going to be insulated against this for a long time, the only way that AI can try and take away video is like speech writing. I actually don't think AI writing is a problem at all. I think that, um, the AI chatbots insert are the only problem. If your content is good, you have no reason to fear an AI. So if you want to do YouTube, you're fine. If you want to do your email newsletter and build a brand and stuff, you're fine. But I think the days very much now of like bestvacuumcleaner.com are going to struggle with, with this stuff. Just ran Yeah. The random, like you said, unbranded. And I've had, I think maybe just one of my friends, he, he kind of panicked, right? And he was like, 
this is crazy. And he's like, I'm selling all this stuff. Like he's, he's like, I'm selling my portfolio right now. I think he, he may, I don't know. We'll, we'll only know like after the fact, but I think maybe he jumped the gun a little bit, but to your point earlier, he did not have a diversified portfolio. So traffic was from one place. Monetization was, you know, maybe one or two, uh, maybe like two or three sources. But the big part was everything was based on like the same kind of business model. So even if he had like a few sites and they were earning from different kinds of programs, like it was all largely the same. It's not like he had online properties and then like real estate which is completely different mm. and if one goes up and down like there there's no correlation they're completely unrelated so all of his stuff was just a little too intertangled and very vulnerable i think so are there, are there buyers i'm interested to know if, if the multiples are tanking i'll buy if they're going down because i know that a lot of this is going to survive and a lot of this is like right, there's going to be effects but you know if everyone wants to start selling stuff at like multiples i'll buy them all out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, no, I don't, I think he was looking for still competitive. So, you know, 40 monthly multiple, give or take here and there. So still pretty high, I think. So, okay. Excellent. We'll, we'll put a pin in that and maybe we'll come back to it sometime in the future when we, when more things have played out. But let's start talking about content here. Before we hit the nuts and bolts, can you describe your team for us so it lays the context for this work that's happening? Sure. So there's me. It's a sort of managing editor, but I'm trying to find what to edit or like manage more and more of the things for me. I have one person who's four days a week on one of the sites that um, he acts as a site operator for, but literally just this week I've taken him off it to like get all hands on deck on the main two sites for auditing more of the content so that we can get it redone quicker because it's uh, it's got below the level that I wanted it to be. And I'm realizing that the problem is more like uh, there's more work to be done than I factored in. There just It needs to be done now. But he usually works four days a week on the other side and on his other remaining days, he has, um, another one of our sites that I've, I've purchased that he's running and helping grow that is l less of like a, uh, getting paid for thing and more than like he has like uh, up to 50% equity based on the revenues of the site. So it's like a, you know, your job, he has a, um, a percentage of the revenue above a certain level on the one he works four days a week on, but this one is a straight equity to the other one. So it's like a. A job fund project. I mean, a job. I hate fun, hopefully. And then um, the actual like business that he's building with me for the other stuff. Um, I also have, we have two VAs. One is currently uh, it's really unfortunate. She's had like a really serious medical problem, so she's not with uh, us working at the moment. But we have another VA who really is helping us to format and publish articles. And then we have a team of six writers that write within our Slack channel, like for the sites. Um, as well as like, we're outsourcing more and more content now and other stuff. Can you tell us how much you pay each one of the roles? <laughs> so the writers, we're moving them from per work to like a daily rate because, um, more and more as Google wants to, it wants short and sweet and less place for ads. <laughs> and so like, um, it. There was like a misalignment uh, in that like people might be motivated to insert more words or like, you know, write can not as two words, which is just annoying to edit because it's like an extra like eight cents or 10 cents, if depending on what the rates are. 
Um, so we're moving them, like for example, one of the writers who writes one of our sites, we moved from, it were on something like cents per word, and now they just make a straight like daily amount, which lets them like be good. And I prefer that as well, because now they just like, they can just think about quality. And so if the required time or like one section that they're, and it was something they can optimize content, because originally it's difficult to like fix content because they're just, like it already exists, there's bits here. How do you calculate that on a word rate? So that's helpful for unlocking more value with optimizing. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So we're moving them to the like more like nearer to employed, which I prefer because you can just like be more friendly and they, they care more about the business and they get better at the particular elements of the site at the most value. Okay. Cool. So you have sounds like 10 people total, including yourself. I think something like that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Six writers, two VAs, one, one person sounds like she's, uh, health issues she's dealing with. And then a site operator who's kind of like your right hand person to help out with, you know, couple sites. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, you're putting in like potentially like 80 hours a week, like kind of all hands on deck now. So you're, working however much you need to, right? Yeah, like, uh, I'm not sure, like, if you don't want me to mention, but I, uh, we can cut this out in case you don't want me to mention it. Um, I've agreed to join another SaaS product that's related to this stuff and head up marketing there. And so part of that is I need to give them, and I'm happy more than happy to, I don't want to make it sound like it's a reluctant thing. Uh, I think it's a really exciting project, but I have to do four days a week there, starting from the next month. And so I'm very much trying to get all the systems in place so that I'm replaceable as possible so they can still run without as direct, like me being a technician in the trenches, like writing and stuff like that. Gotcha. So have you already hired your replacement? Uh, it's well, I'm trying to hire an editor, but then for the remaining like one day of the five days a week, I'm trying to be able to work out what I can do. So I've got someone who's joining. Um, actually there's another member of the team that I didn't mention. They just recently joined, uh, who's, I'm training up to do briefs and things like that. So the thing that I find the worst is like the briefs. I just hate it the most. I find it the most like brain sapping, uh, especially cause like a good brief can take an hour to do. It's just like so many different lo locations and things to sort. And it gets tiring. It's very active and focused to do like 10. Um, so I'm hoping them to do that. Um, and then I will just be hopefully there to sort of assign priorities and see if anything's like particularly going wrong to reassign it based on that and try and keep it ticking. Okay. Yeah. You just deal with problems at that point. Yeah. Just be just, reactive. Just be proactive. <laughs> yep. Okay, cool. We'll talk more about that later. Um, so you outline the team. So you have a set of keywords. Um, we've talked about keywords before, but if you want to give a quick, you know, very quick answer on like any keywords, but basically there's like a, a bunch of keywords that you have in a list, right? You already know what you're going after. Yeah, we have a massive Excel sheet that we're in the process of importing into Airtable because it's just a lot better and I recommend everyone does that. So we have all of the published articles, like for example, on one side, we've got roughly 500 on, we've got a, an entire year plan to go to around 900. Um, and so each of those has like different markings for the main cluster, which might just be like vacuums or whatever. And then the subcluster, which might be guides best or whatever, cause you know, you might have a cleaning site that's not just vacuums, it's carpet cleaners that also have guides and best and verses and whatever. And then there's a sub subcluster that has different things for like the brand or any particular material it's for cleaning, especially or anything like that. 
And so each of those, um, and that's why a table is better. You can then filter all of them from there to give you like the easiest internal linking and stuff like that. Um, and it just makes it so much easier. So we've got all of these plans that like we did all the keyword research up front, got all of the rest of it based on looking at our lower DR competitors and what they were ranking for that we could just easily take and go number one, four, for an easy, you know, four or five hundred days of traffic. Um, as well as the stuff that if there's a higher DR competitor, we at least think we can give it a go. And even being second or third is worth enough that we'll still do it. Um, as well as anything that we don't like, it has no search volume or whatever, but we've just picked it because it supports another piece of content that we just want to really rank. Cause that, like there's big rewards for ranking on. Um, so that's all of that. And then, um, it's mostly just picking the stuff in a priority from, from all of those like remaining hundreds of keywords and then turning that into a brief that has all the other related keywords to fill out you know, the entity related stuff, um, assigning that, getting the brief made, giving that to the writer, editing it, and then putting it up. But because we did all the keyword research in January, it's made like the projection part easier because I can see that, okay, at the end of Q1, we'll have done X amount of these articles. I'll be on schedule. Is there more stuff coming up in the way? Do we need to focus on optimization instead, which means that we need to sacrifice this based on the expected value of these new ones? Is optimization like way better like, in terms of like what we can make money wise and so to, to like, I'm, I've always been disorganized and not had a firm grasp on the data. So I'm starting to get there. This isn't nearly as good as we want to get, but hopefully okay. it's, yeah, it's better than it was. How do you, how are you assigning or determining the expected value for a given article? We know what the ad rates are by category. So we prioritize the ones with the highest RPM. We're also willing to target stuff that has less traffic if it's an affiliate post, because I just know that we can make money from those. It's funny that like, um, the ones that we're going after now are like terms that we wouldn't have gone for a year ago. So like, oh, I don't need that. <laughs> right. And now the way that it continues to consolidate over time, we're like, oh, we'll take that best post with 30 search volume. <laughs> There's actually like 400 in some cases, you know, so you can make like a hundred dollars a month if you do it right. Um, so. We know what we make from category RPMs, and you can apply that to how, like what the uh, earnings per click are on the affiliate programs that you can promote there to get a rough idea. But honestly, if it's an affiliate post that has anything, I don't even check that. I'll just be like, all right, we need to write this. Okay. And to clarify, so in case people missed it earlier, you said about 20% of the income comes from Amazon and you're talking, you know, ad rates and RPM, but really the ad revenue is is fairly low. You earn most of the money from other affiliate programs. Is that correct? So when we did the ATO for um, November and December each month, it was around 2021 was the ads. Now, so it's about a quarter. Now we've lost so much affiliate revenue in Q1. It's gone from being a quarter to like 40%, 42%. And so... We're more relying on ads than ever now. <laughs> okay. And that is taking into account the lower ad rates right now that we're dealing with in early 2023. So if, I mean. My ad rates are not lower than they were in November and December. The okay. Same. Okay. So you, you have, okay. So you're in some spot where it's actually, it's been stable. So that's good. Okay. Great. Okay. 
So you have the set of keywords you're prioritizing. You have some expected value based on a, a couple different areas, knowledge that you now have, data that you understand. So what's the research like? Um, you mentioned content briefs a couple times. Is, does that include the outline? What What is in the content brief? Sure, they'll probably get better now we've done this auditing over the stuff that's fallen in traffic because we've had to get so much more detail for this. I feel like we just got better at like the SEO. Like, but the good thing about failure is you have to like find new levels, right? And I'd rather not. I'd rather coast forever. But it's been interesting these last few days discovering like the different places that we can gain, you know, a bit of a an edge on the competition by like finding new things. Um, so the brief and the sort of audit for like republishing is mostly similar because you check all the same things. You either just write them from scratch or you make them better. Um, so, uh, for making a new piece of content, we'll, we'll start from a, a new piece. We won't do the audit. Um, first thing you have, your, I mean, you have to, we've already validated the keyword to start this because we've done the keyword research separately. We've seen uh, there'll be a note in the spreadsheet that says XYZ competitor gets 408 AHS from you. Okay. Entirely this. So we've already come from, we'd have to validate it again. Occasionally, you know, the circle of change, you know, there's five videos, fine. That's a rare case, is what it is. Leave it there. Um, so on that note, start off, have a look. Is the circle all good? Is it all videos now? Is it all shopping for like 10 rows? <laughs> if it's not, all right, let's go. Um, we have um, a brief template. It's different based on if it's informational or affiliate. Um, and it's got like, um, there's a bit at the top that says, fill this in last. Which is something like you go, you go down it and then you fill it in, which is what is our key differentiator? What are we, what is, what is the weaknesses in the composition that for the writer reading this, they need to focus on these parts. So sometimes it will be, they don't include FAQs, which actually means nothing because an FAQ doesn't change anything, but this, and therefore they miss out on X, Y, Z things. These are key to the actual buying process. And so we should focus on these because these differentiate us beyond that. If it's an affiliate post, we go. What is the exact search intent and what are people looking for? We have some like example ones that we want to fill in. For example, the reader is a beginner who's just doing exploratory research. They haven't bought a vacuum cleaner yet, but they're in the experimental search stage or whatever. They are looking to buy XYZ because of the nature of the keyword. They've got a lower budget than average. And so we should definitely, uh, in our language, we should be more comforting for like you can get good value for lower money you know whatever uh, and recommend them lower price products i mean you can you know you could, i love this from from craig from my content pal but he said that like he puts like a really expensive product like on the right so that like even the normal ones look cheap now for these ones but i don't do that yet it's a, it's a clever idea though like the anchoring um so what exactly are they looking for are they likely to have already bought a similar product or are they new that will change what language you use, what headings you use. Do you start with what is a vacuum or do you just go straight into it? Um, beyond that, we have the keywords and the competition to check out. Uh, we've now recently started, like if there's a, a supporting heading underneath the product reviews or even like paste the YouTube video that we want them to watch to get the key info from there, um, because it's relevant and it'll allow you to write a better snippet or whatever. Um, if there's a snippet, we add the title in and then we have brackets like feature snippet in there just to know that there's a difference between how to write that heading plus it's not write it um the faqs and that go at the bottom you can find those on ahrefs as well as like checking the sub you can use seo minion to scrape all this the, the the people also ask if you need to uh there's other tools like search response and whatever that do that as well with like related searches and stuff like that um 
the main thing that we're doing differently recently is that, in my opinion, the easiest way to show a high quality buyer's guide is like a, a best article is the buying guide, like things to consider when choosing a vacuum. And then you have H3s for all the key points to discuss. I think most people don't do these well enough. So what we'll do is we'll, um, we train the writers to write them like, okay, so you want to do the power of the vacuum or whatever, but you know, what does it mean for them? So let's say it's a best vacuum for kitchens, like talk about how like it'll actually make a difference to their particular, like having a more powerful vacuum makes it easier to clean up apple pie when you've made it, you know, whatever it is in the kitchen, yeah. like something to do with something that they can identify with and actually makes a real difference to them, which is one of the reasons they're searching It's more visual. You put them in the store in there. And then once you've like relayed the particular spec that they should consider to the actual main topic. So it's not just a generic vacuum buying guide. It's about vacuums for kitchens. You can then mention each product that you're comparing. And then if there's anyone that's particularly powerful, you can mention this again, and then you can resell them because if they read, if they read the end of the product reviews, they haven't bought yet. There's been a reason why they haven't bought and clicked something. So you can resell them once you've gone there and retaken them there. And then you can have like the block where you want to use, or, you know, you know, the various affiliate software and last time AWP, the like the, uh, have those blocks there. you can have them in each one of those things. Um, and that's useful there. You can even then above that, um, what I do is I have the H3, I have the paragraphs that then introduce it and then recommend it. And then a lasso block underneath. And then I have a chat GPT generated table. Cause I'll put the whole article into chat GPT and say, take the power specs of each vacuum from this put it into a table with just the power of each fact you mentioned in this article listed, and it will spit you out a perfect table so they can directly compare that particular spec so that if they care about that spec, they've got a re comparison right there. And so that's how you create the best buyer's guide that makes you like an expert, even if you haven't tested stuff. Um, so that's what we do there. Then the FAQs and support info go underneath for the product reviews. We're starting to say like, um, mention particular things related to this, but it's much more vague and I'd rather like uh, leave it to them. I apparently, I don't like this, but apparently pros and cons are like an easy thing for Google as a scrape and associate with high quality affiliate content. It's not, in my opinion, it's so easy to write basic pros and cons that anyone can do that it isn't a factor in high quality content, but we're now doing pros and cons and everything because apparently with Google trying to like lean up there. Uh, way of like determining document quality that's like becoming more of a factor. I don't know if that's true. That's just what I've heard on Twitter from, from people that, that know a lot. And so we're doing pros and cons requiring each thing for the actual brief. Um, and then at the end, what's the differentiator? I have these not talked about how you specifically clean up kitchen stuff with the vacuum enough in this particular situation, having watched three YouTube videos and listened to the pain points people expressed. That's what we hate the most. Yeah. Okay. And so you covered a lot of stuff there. Is all of that, the original question was around content brief. So is all this information is in the content brief. So, you know, from the table, from the, you know, H3 headings, like all those details, is that all in there? Sure, Ashley. Yeah, you're right. I've depart, departed a bit. So there's the... Uh, the writer does everything in the buying guide except the table and the affiliate displays that come at the end. That is edited by the formatter, but they have been taught how to treat the brief post-write to then implement those things. But that's just something that's changed how we ask the writer to write them because we didn't used to ask them in the brief to uh, both mention the spec, that like power, 
battery life, whatever it is, and relate it back to the main topic. Now we're asking them to relate it to both the main topic and the actual product that's best suited if you care about that particular spec the most, so that we can add uh, a retargeted display, click here to buy now, whatever, and then make money again. Okay. Great. Tons of detail. Um, you mentioned a few uh, tools and I'm going to restate it. Sometimes people, um, they ask about this later. So uh, Lasso and AAWP. So those help um, display like a feature box or link out to Amazon or other affiliate programs, potentially SEO minion to get some on-page data. Anything else that you use for on-page data? We use um, address onto the public, we started using search response instead of on the account. We're trying to find, we're trying to like the, all the FAQs, people, so I'll have to, whatever, put together things to use. Uh, I'm trying to figure out which one's best, but like there's so many of them, there's like keywords people use, keyword AI, keyword insights, uh, whatever, you know, they're all the same tool, but like repackaged, let's be real. Like I'll also ask whatever, they're all the same. Um, we're trying to figure out which one of those to use. We're also using the surfer, but like mostly to optimize rather than write new stuff. But we are now just literally, we're late. We're so late to this because I was like against it because I was thought that like we might lose like actual writer, natural first person, like learned insights if we put them into Surfer at the beginning because it kind of boxes you in with like the NLP queries, right? Because you're like, oh, I see this. I should write about this rather than having like genuinely like innovative thoughts. But now like to standardize it, we are now using Surfer for the on-page stuff, but for research, um, we get the keywords from Ahrefs and the related ones from the also asked keyword, whatever one we use, like in trying that at the moment, search response or them ones. Uh, and then we'll also sometimes, if like there's just a bit that we want to find from like FAQs or whatever, we use low fruits just to see what the other ones within there are. And we're now, in some cases, if we think that it's, uh, we just feel like there's something missing in the brief, we'll just go on to chat GPT and be like, um, what questions would a beginner to best vacuum for kitchens have uh, and what you can do is like what unconventional questions would a beginner have and it will spit you up really random creative ones that no one's thought of before but you have to say unconventional but you can't say controversial because they refuse to answer it you say controversial yeah they try to keep a, a lockdown on that okay great that's awesome with the tools there um you mentioned subheadings and i think you know funny enough like even some of my early sites like 10 years ago at this point i did exactly what you're talking about i one of my first sites, I didn't know what I was doing. So I basically created a really good buying guide, largely question-based, which I didn't realize like how well that would work, but it was quite, I didn't know anything about the product or not very much. I was interested. So I came up with the great questions, researched it, came up with the answers, but I did exactly what you said. It was H3 tags. So maybe a couple different sections, H3 tags, very straightforward. And it's interesting some of the core components, like while Google has changed, our link building methods have changed, some of the core stuff is exactly the same as it was when I started. And I would guess, you know, the eight to 10 years before that as well. So any other notes on kind of the hierarchy or subheadings or anything like that? It depends on how like high activation energy the product is. Like, um, if you're selling a camper van for 15 grand, I wouldn't have the three top picks at the top right there because you need to sell them before you just be like, make this enormous purchase. 
but for most things you can just have your top picks built. Again, you can use various software. I use Lasso for it, but, um, then, you know, normally you have just the top down full list of them. And then you start with the best one and you go down and down and down, segment them based on like the, like only I'm trying to have the least possible products now. Um, I know this is going on a tangent, but I think this is like a lot of people don't do this enough is like, you know, you have your best for beginners, best cheap, best premium, best overall. And, uh, you need to like, no one seems to be doing this, even though it's so profitable. Everyone has a preconceived notion of themselves. I am a student. I am a successful person. I am intelligent. I'm a good cook, whatever. So much of that is just telling people what people want to identify. And it's like, they're like, even if they're on a budget, like this is the best budget option. Oh, this person understands me. All right. I'm going to buy this cheap bag. <laughs> like it's so easy. Um, and you should really understand who like the segments of people are that are coming on. And then you can segment them through there. The only other things I'd mention is that like, depending on the activation energy, you like occasionally you don't want to just have the straight calls to action to the top of the displays to buy stuff. If it's like, you know, five grand furniture or whatever, I don't know what that would be. Um, we have, um, we call it a roundup block, like, um, a summary of all of them. Sometimes we use tables, but we try to make it into like a kind a separate generate blocks block because then it's just a H2 and the list is the cleanest HTML within its own thing um, to try and get list feature snippets. It hasn't really worked, but the, the depending on the level of activation energy on the product, if it's a really expensive thing, rather than have those be direct affiliate links, we'll have them be HTML anchors that go to the product to actually read more itself. Um, but those are niche cases depending, like if you're selling table salt that people have no emotional attachment to. Just give them the CTA and tell them to go and they'll go eat. They just want to be told where to go hard and like cheap. But for a high motivation energy where the costs are being wrong, the higher, if it's an emotional purchase, you know, uh, no one wants to be left with like a dud set of like car yeah. steering yeah. wheels. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like if it's like, if the cost of being wrong is high, then just take them through slowly. Yeah. They want to really be like coaxed into the, the purchase where it's at. Uh, and you can, you know, and as long as you're empathetic and you really understand the problem and you do your research, that's no problem. They'll still be ready to make the sale. It'll be even more rewarding. Usually the affiliate programs understand that and they pay you higher commissions if you can sell on those sales. But understand it is also if people just want to be told and go. So like you'll do like 90% of the sales just from the top bits block for this low activation energy because yeah. they're usually own price. Cool. Yep. And I'll give a quick example and then we'll move on. I recently purchased like a USB cable, like an extension or whatever. It doesn't really matter. I don't care. I would like buy that off a quick recommendation versus the camera that I'm hooking it up to, which is, you know, One. 30 times more expensive. Maybe I want to do more research. I'm going to be using it for some different things. So the camera is really important. I want to like understand all the features, the problems, the pros, the cons, blah, blah, blah. But a USB cable, it doesn't really matter that much and the price reflects it. So that's a, that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We're uh, going a little over time, so I'm going to wrap it up here fast. I know you're a busy man. So last couple things, uh, videos and images and any kind of, I guess, graphics that you may include. Can you talk about that and how important it is for your posts? Um, I don't know if it's important. We try to improve them, but honestly, I haven't seen any change. I see so many bad sides of like, copied and pasted from like Amazon or whatever do find that. I'm not sure that anyone actually, like, I think honestly, it's like Google again, like with the most of the EAT stuff, it's mostly like, we'd love this to be true. 
But then the actual reality, I'm not sure it is. I think if you really have tested the products and you can show and you've got the video and stuff, that's an advantage. I think that, <clears throat> sorry, I think that Google can tell, um, especially if you use the same S scheme as a link to a YouTube channel that has come from the same person, you haven't just used like a third party thing. But a lot of these, uh, for single product reviews, I think is a key thing. I don't think you'll uh, rank uh, without a real review. But a lot of these bias guides, no one cares. Like, I don't know. I think it affects conversions. I think people want to buy from people that are clearly tested the stuff. But I haven't seen a significant shift from when we started showing real product tests versus when it was just a white background on a product, you know, like a vacuum on, like, uh, remove the background on Canva. And now it's just a, like on a white background. Okay. Cool. Um, so nothing too special. Uh, do you include a certain number of images per? thousand words or something like that or is it just whatever it needs to be we probably will once we figured it out but at the moment i'm not organized enough with that it's mostly the the instruction to the people formatting like the, the vas who work with us to help make it look amazing it's just like whenever the description of the text calls for it try and augment that especially if it's more difficult and would benefit from a more visual thing so, for example, if you were showing why a certain, why certain carpet cleaners are good for a type of carpet, I don't even know if there's more than one type of carpet, but let's say there's, right? Like, and so if you pick, yeah, you get a canvas block that's just blank white and you get a picture of one type of vacuum on the carpet and you show that it's not, doesn't work properly, yeah, it's still dirty. And then you have the other type that shows clean and you can have like a versus symbol in the middle or whatever. That's a nice way of showing that without communicating the words. But how can you communicate well without just like repeating what you said, just as like an infographic, just writing this vacuum is not good for this. This one is better, you know, whatever. Like it's, uh, and that requires creativity and skill. Um, and we've been really fortunate that we've had super talented people that have helped even unprompted just like really, they just get it and you can't teach that. Fantastic. And a quick question, how many of the products do you actually have? Like, are you, do you actually test some of the stuff? And some people are pretty, I would say, polarized on this topic where they're like, if people don't test the product, then you can't trust them. And I test everything, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, where do you, where do you fit in the spectrum here? Sure. Uh, I, uh, you know, but the, if I wanted to be really out there and reveal my niches behind this screen right now, you'll see all the stuff that we've tested, but obviously I'm not going to turn the camera around and blow up everything that I've worked for, uh, because I think people, I think it's risky to reveal your niches. Uh, there's a reason why we keep them secret. Um, but we test more than our competition. And what I always say is like, you know, that story where the bear's chasing the people and he turns to his mate and he goes, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. I don't need to test them all. I just need to be the best alternative because I tested everyone else and Google doesn't want to show people that have not tested it, but by default, you show the one that's tested the most because it's the nearest to perfect. It's just the least imperfect, even if it's mostly imperfect. Cool. All right. So what's coming up in the next year? What, what do you have on the horizon here? Sure. So um, by the end of the month, I need to have my house in order to uh, move to being only one day a week, which is scary because, you know, they've become, um, besides the, uh, my life, it's so comfortable to keep working on what I know rather than venture into the unknown. Right. So it's, uh, it's, uh, but 
the project is so interesting. Am I allowed to like briefly introduce what the, the, the new project is? Yeah, hold on one second. I'm going to pause and we'll, we'll leave this part in. I'm going to pause. Okay, so I just, I screened Jamie here and um, <laughs> I said it's okay. So yeah, what, what are you going to work on? Sure. So um, I, I, I was in a really rough state when I pushed a new website and lost like half my traffic because it was like a technical issue when pushing a new site. Uh, and one person who offered to help um, at the time was someone who I'd like used the software before. He's uh, Andrew who uh, runs Lasso. And so we got talking like, weeks after that. And eventually he asked if I wanted to, if I was interested in heading up uh, marketing at Lasso, the uh, affiliate marketing plugin. And at the beginning, like just I was a customer, I was a fan. It was like, thank you, but like, um, you know, I'm doing my stuff. I, I need to just focus on this for now. And then we got on a call and he was telling me, some of the cool stuff that's coming in the future. And I was like, right, let's do it. <laughs> and so like, uh, it's really cool. I'm very excited about it. I'm, I'm talking to all of my friends about it and telling them how excited I am for being stuck in. And I've got a failure on my record in like SAS, like a couple of years ago when I wasn't full-time the size, I wanted to do this stuff. And I thought like, I wasn't ready then. And I thought like I'm ready now and everything that I've worked with these and like on marketing, digital marketing, especially SEO. But all of them, I want to prove that I can do it on a wider level and with such an amazing opportunity, like I feel like you've got to take it to, to, to have, be involved in such a, a cool project in tech and stuff. So that's, that's, that's the, you know, I'm excited. That's cool. And it's one, one observation, um, is when you have a specific deadline that you have to close everything out, like you figure it out a lot of, you know, things that you may have wasted time on in the past in a different scenario you just you don't worry about them and you end up closing everything out you get your stuff in place and then you have a clear end date clear start date so it puts pressure on you in a hopefully a positive way to just close it out so hopefully at least like i don't like i'm absolutely learning as much as i can but uh, in terms of like what I would do for a living, like affiliate marketing to move into this is like, it was like a, a more natural move rather than like, okay, I've got to get my house in order and then learn the complete new, like I understand the customers. Like pretty well, I'm always feeling that more, but uh, it makes it easier move. Right on. Very good. Well, where should people find you? Sure. So I do income reports. I'm debating whether I continue doing them. Not because it's going down, but like we did, um, like to, 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 to get into Q1, we did 43.5K January. So it was like almost half, but you can expect a drop. But I do the income report still. I'm debating stopping them just because I've noticed more competition in my niches. And I think with, there are ways of finding people's size. Uh, and I think they may be contributing to that. So I think I might trend away from that. But I still write everything. I write about affiliate marketing stuff like that on increasing.com. My uh, Twitter is Jamie, J-A-M-I-E underscore I-F, uh, and I occasionally send newsletters when I can get it together as well, if you will. Awesome. We'll link up to all that stuff in the show notes and description so people can check it out. And hopefully in a little while we can get an update. There's a couple of things that I thought we could talk about. One is just like where AI and algorithm stuff is going with the different search engines. The other that you mentioned early on was just how you improve content. So you're at a point where you need to improve content. And that's like the other side of this coin of, you know, writing fresh content. Well, at some point you have to maintain everything and like stay on top of it. And that is a whole 
slightly more complicated process, I would venture to guess, because you have to take into account like what you did before and then what you need to do. So two topics we can probably that, cover. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get into it and bore you with the details, but we had the most interesting SEO conundrum of my SEO affiliate marketing career doing this today because the, like you'll never get more deep and learn more unless like except in the optimizing box. You're looking for those 1% things rather than just like, oh, I hate you here and whatever here. Yeah. We had an article that's been, used to do 2,500 uh, page views a month and it, you know, would do three, $400 uh, if I had to guess. It's now gone down to a lot lower than that. It's doing around 700 clicks a month. And by the closer inspection, only 170 of those are from Google Search Console. It's because it's doing weirdly well on Bing. So we wanted to make that target, instead of just targeting the main keyword, we wanted to make it cheap keyword. But the conundrum now is, do we risk destabilizing Bing by making this change because it's ranking for that? So it brings up interesting, like even further levels before that we hadn't considered. So it's been really interesting. And I've learned a lot from the optimizing and we can go into more detail another time if you want, but it brings all these interesting, like, like multi-search engine, like questions right. to think about. Well, that's crazy, right? So again, as we alluded to earlier and then a great teaser for like future segments with you, Jamie, but like. <laughs> Google has something like 90% of the uh, market share. Let's say it shifts, right? Like, let's say there's a pretty big destabilization. And then, yeah, maybe we optimize a little differently. Or this topic area is more likely to be searched on more often on Bing because of the demographic or something. And then you optimize it differently for different search engines. So all of a sudden, like, I mean, the skills would transfer, but then you have a more complicated, problem to solve with multi-variant issues just generally very interesting who knows yeah, like in six months it may be a totally different conversation but very cool okay well we have to stop now or we're going to keep talking all day buddy <laughs> all right we'll link up and thanks jamie good catching up thank you very much for having me doug cheers